This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Dan Grasso Show. I noticed that they start to put out these odds already for next year. You realize the Giants' odds next year to win a Super Bowl are 150 to 1. There's only one team in the National Football League with worse odds, and that's the Carolina Panthers. They're telling you that the Giants essentially have no shot. So whatever the Giants do this year, a lot of it is, I think, still going to ride on the right arm of Daniel Jones. But right now, do I think that the Giants, according to these odds, are the second most hopeless franchise in the National Football League? No, I do not. I think it's a little bit unfair, to be quite honest with you. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, off to a good start here on this Saturday morning, a snowy Saturday morning. Dan Grasso Show live in a living color right here on 98.7 ESPN. We're taking it right up until noon. And yes, the sweet sounds of the Rutgers fight song, Scarlet Knights. Turning their season around, they are winners of four straight games. They'll hop on a plane and head to, well, a place with more snow. Minnesota coming up a little bit later today to take on the Gophers coming up tomorrow. And joining us now is the architect, of course, the head coach of the Scarlet Knights. It is our pal Steve Peichel. Coach Dan Grasick, thanks for hopping on this morning. And I'll tell you, I was in the building on Thursday night. That atmosphere, one of the best that I've been a part of in a very long time. Congrats on the win. How are you? I'm tremendous. Isn't it great, Dan, the environment? I mean, our fans are, are awesome, the students and our season ticket holders. And, you know, it's loud and it's, it's a tough place to play. And I'm proud of the environment that, that our fans and our um, riot squad and our cheerleaders, our band have created. Unbelievable. No no doubt about that, and certainly you've had a huge part in that and building this program to what it is. And, you know, truer words have never been spoken. You're on your feet the entire game. Even even in that first half when, you know, offensively you guys were struggling a little bit. I mean, you fell behind 17-5 to early, couldn't make a free throw. Boo Booey out there making everything, even with his eyes closed, it seemed like. I'll tell you this. I went down and talked to uh, our pal, the great Chris Corso, at halftime, and I said to him, I said, look, if we don't come back in the second half, I'm going to excuse myself for the rest of the season because I was 0-2 so far, Coach, in the games that I've been to, and that one wasn't <laughs> off to a great start. I said, I'm a team-first guy. If it don't turn around, I'll step aside the rest of the season. But thankfully, it did. How about the sacrifices you were willing to make? That's I appreciate <laughs> you stayed with us. And, uh, you know, Northwestern's excellent, first of all, and, and Coach Collins does a great job. And, and um, Boo Booey, I think, is the best guard in the country. You know, and I'll say that he's been five years. I've seen him grow and and develop, and and he's seen every defense in the world. And he's still getting twenty points every night. And I, and I thought we did a good job on him. He had twenty seven. You know, and so uh, really difficult team to play. Multi, you know, skilled guys, and and well coaching have won a ton of games. I mean, if you look at their schedule and the games they've won, and you know, that's a really good basketball team, and they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. So it was a good win for us. And, and uh, you know, we're getting a lot of contributions. Luckily, you know, we've been healthy up until that game, and we lose Moat Mack before tip-off. He's been an excellent player for us. And then Noah, uh, who had a great game against Wisconsin, can't play in the whole second half. He bangs up his knee. So, 
you know, we continue to hit obstacles, but overcome them, and, and um, it's a good sign for us moving forward. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned Noah too, because when I was when I visited you at practice, uh, what was it last week? There, that was one of the things, and he had that game where he went off against Wisconsin when he was making all those threes and he was unconscious. But I was even saying the game in Maryland, where maybe he didn't fill up the stat sheet all that much. I thought that he gave you some good minutes off the bench. You know, minutes that were important in getting a win. And it's nice, as you said, to have this full complement of players now to all be able to make contributions, and you're starting to see the results on the scoreboard. I mean, you really are, and everyone's so important. Like, everybody's important. It's a long season, and, you know, we've, we've experienced all kinds of, you know, in, you know, injuries and what have you. But, you know, the development of Jay Mike, our, you know, our freshman guard from uh, Tennessee, has been huge. And uh, the development of every guy getting better, and then we added Jeremiah Williams, who's been outstanding for us. But Cliff has gotten better, and, you know, Andre Hyatt accepted a role coming off the bench, and he's a starter. Obviously, you know, throw him right in the lineup the other night when Moat can't play, and he plays great hits, two huge threes. So, you know, it's kind of everyone they've they've taken on a team approach, and our defense has been like you know as good as it's ever been under under my time here. You know, statistically and and everything else. So, you know, proud of these guys. Had to fight through a lot of different things, and, and uh, now we got an unbelievable Minnesota game, and we got Purdue coming. I mean, just. You know, our league is just challenges all over the place. No rest for the weary, that's for sure. We're talking with Rutgers head coach Steve <laughs> Peichel here on 98.7 ESPN. So, so for those that maybe haven't kept up with the program this year, you limped out of the gate a little bit in conference play. You were 2-7 and seven to start. And, you know, I think a lot of the national media were basically saying, ah, you know, wait till next year for Rutgers with that unbelievable recruiting class that's coming in. But now you get the full squad. Jeremiah Williams is back. You mentioned Mawat being healthy, even though he was sidelined the other night. But what do you think has been the biggest difference in your mind these last four games to where this team is now being able to put it all together? Yeah, I will tell you. I mean, we've become great practice team. Like, we practice differently. Um, you know, I think you learn. You learn a lot. And no one wants to hear it. You learn when you lose. You learn what's not working. Um, you know, and also getting guys back. I mean, even our big kid, Emmanuel Oakbowl, is, is a really a talented kid. And he's got he's – he's seven feet. He's 275. He's a big he's just different. So, to have him back and Jeremiah, obviously, from practicing with us and he brings all kinds of stuff. Derek Simpson's playing really good basketball. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's guarding the best team's player and, you know, we can move him around and, and Jay Mike has been, you know, great guarding boo booey and running around chasing all the great guards in our league. And he's got another one at Minnesota and, and Hawkins who's leading the country in assists. So he's got to take on that challenge. So, you know, everyone just, you know, plugging away. Mawat coming back obviously helps us. And when he's healthy, Noah accepting his role off the bench. And Cliff being Cliff. I mean, he's one of the best shot blockers in the country. And I think, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the nation up for that award. I'm, I'm sure he's the National Defensive Player of the Year. So takes everyone in, in this league. And you're going to have your ups and downs. How do you get through your ups and downs in, the, in a league that's challenging? Yeah, and, and talking about Cliff, I think he gave everybody in that building a scare the other night when he went up for that block shot and landed on the ankle and remained down on the ground, and you're thinking, uh-oh, when you're just like a collective groan uh, in Jersey Mike's arena. But how about his season, right? Because he came back for another year, and as you said, playing outstanding defensively, second in the country in blocks. He's a guy that I think has also probably taken on that role of leadership as somebody who's been with this program and 
been one of the guys that's played NCAA tournament games as well, at least trying to help the younger guys along the way. I mean, he's done a fan. He's a wonderful kid, and, and he's a worker, and, you know, couldn't be more proud of his development over the four years and he's graduating and, and all those things. But he's, you know, become an anchor for us. He's had great practices. He's taken care of himself health, health-wise, too, because he, ba- he gets banged around every game physically. It's a physical you know, toll it takes too. And he's, he's done a, you know, he's done a fantastic job, you know, at taking care of his body and, and, and being a good leader. He's, and he's developed in all those areas. Like he wasn't, you know, a great leader. He wasn't a great practice guy. He wasn't, you know, when he first got here defensively, he fouled an alarming amount and he's yep. just gotten better. And I'm so proud of that. And he stayed and got better. And that's refreshing in this day and age. Cause you know, obstacles come and people leave. And, 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 you know, like he's fought through those, and that's why he's going to be such a great pro because he's fought through obstacles. He's going to have to fight through it at the next level too. But he's already been down that road, you know, and, and he's got the tools to do that. Talking with Rutgers head coach Steve Peichel here on 98.7 ESPN. You know, it, it's great to see, like the other night, for example, you see Caleb McConnell back there and of course he was one of your standout players guy who was national defensive player of the year and how warmly he was received by the crowd you see Geo Baker back at a ton of games I, I I've you know the game at the Prudential Center this year uh you know Ron Harper was there Miles Johnson was there how nice and gratifying is it for you as the coach that you know guys that you brought into the program and then sent off you know for to continue on with their careers either you know in basketball or just in life to still want to be part of what they built and to still have a presence with this program. That's got to be a nice feeling as a coach. It's unbelievable. And and that's the value of staying too. Like when you go to three different schools, four different schools, like you just don't have that. And, you know, to have them come back, like this is home for them and people love them and are willing to help them. And, and I think that's a big part of what we've tried to do here. Um, I think it's the big part of stability and having the coaching staff stay. Um, Kids graduate. They love our academic support people. They love our weight room people, you know, and and there's real value to that as you move forward in life. And, and, uh, you know, I'm thankful those guys were old school because all of them could have left. All of them had opportunities. All of them, you know, there's that what's behind door number two mentality now in, in, in college athletics. And, you know, it's not always a great what's behind door number two. And you give up a lot behind door number one when, when you decide to leave. So, you, you know, I value that. I value those relationships. And, and I value when Caleb calls me and he's going through a tough stretch that he knows I have always have his best interest, you know, at heart. And when I'm talking to those NBA people, I know the kid better than anybody and the obstacles that he fought through. And, you know, when they come back and people warmly receive them, it's awesome. And, and, you know, Ron Harper Jr. has been around a ton. I mean, they just can't geos around. I mean, it's just they graduated. They love Rutgers. They had a good experience and, and, and thankful that they come back and support. You know, I, I'm curious, Coach, because, you know, the way the calendar works in college basketball, like you get these guys in the summertime is when you begin workouts, you know, for an upcoming season. So you've been together for a long time here. It's not just when you throw the ball up in the air in November for that first game. It, trying to connect to kids like when you get to this part of the calendar in mid-February is it harder is it easier to connect with guys like being together on this journey for such a long period of time like how is the message you think received at this time of year yeah I mean you know I got to give our guys like a lot of credit because you know you start so long ago and 
you know, you're trying to build a team that's tough and together. Like those two words are huge for us, tough and together. And, um, you know, you go through a lot and some guys are playing more than others. And, you know, like the other day, Oscar Palmquist hadn't played and he's just yep. been working and he's, he was ready to help us. He scores nine points in the first half, you, you know, like, and, and, and that's kind of what you want to build. Everyone ready. I believe in them, you know, but it starts in June and it's a lot of ups and downs. It's a lot of injuries. It's a lot of playing through, you, you know, slumps and playing through wins and playing through losses and, you know, like you got to deal with all that stuff, the ups and downs. And these are young kids. They're sensitive and, you know, they got to live through, you know, some tough times for the first time in their in their lives and in their careers. And, you know, I'm just proud. They keep listening. Um, they bring suggestions to me, too. And that's what I love when when the team is coaching themselves and our huddles have been spectacular. Like you saw the growth in our huddles from the first game to this game, like where they take over the huddle not just me they're talking to each other about what they're seeing and what they're hearing that's when you know you know they've taken a turn for the better and and in practices they'll come up to me can we do this drill more can we I want to stand you know like it's you see the change and and you're happy and excited about that and and that's what this group has gotten um they're they're as invested as we are and and that's when you know you got a, a group that's in it together a couple of more minutes here with Rutgers head coach Steve Peichel on 98.7 ESPN. You know, I, I thought you said something interesting the other night in your post game after the Northwestern game when you kind of went off a little bit on, you know, Ken Palm and the metrics and so on and so forth. Because if you look around all sports, and, and we talk about this all the time, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, football, you know, I, I think there's too much of an over-reliance on, at times on the data and the analytics. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit the other night and that you just can't go by these numbers. You know, how about actually like watching the games, watching teams with your own two eyes and having just that feel yourself just from a human standpoint about how good or bad a team or a player is. Do you think that we've gotten a little too carried away when it comes to all the data and stuff as we apply it to sports? Well, I mean, you know, that's social media. Like, they predict everything. And I'm like, I can't predict. Like, I, I couldn't have predicted five minutes before the game, but Watt Mack, who's one of our best players, wasn't going to play. Exactly. And so I don't, I don't know how the computer does, and I don't know, you know, Noah Fernandez coming off his best game of the year, and then he can't play in the second half. And then how do you predict referees' calls? How do you predict, like, the other team? Like, you know, like, I thought we did a great job on Boo Boo. He had 27 points. Like, so – how do you, you know, how do you predict that? But, you know, life, you know, guys still got to make shots and guys got to make free throws and then there's pressure free throws and there's guys don't feel well and guys have the flu and, you know, but we become one of those worlds that we don't appreciate the journey. We just, are, oh, they should win this game up oh, because the computer said that. And I'm like, the computer, you know, doesn't watch all the film of Northwestern. Like I watch every film. I know how good they are. I know how well we're going to have to play. And then five minutes before the game, your best player, best best defender can't play. And, okay, now, you know, thank God Oscar was ready and scored nine points. You know, like, you know, so I do think I use analytics. I think everyone does. It's a great tool. Um, but it doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't, you know, and it certainly can't predict. And college sports is unpredictable as ever now. You better come and play well. Every team can be every team. I don't care if you're – you know, the number one team or the number 14, you know, like Indiana State just got ranked for the first time. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, they lose, yep. you know, like, it, it, 
you know, like in the computer, I'm sure said they weren't going to lose, but the, the computer doesn't make shots and the other team, you know, is trying to beat you too. So there's so much more that goes into a win and a loss referees calls, technicals, fouling guys out. Like, you know, there's so much that goes into it that no one ever accounts for. And, and that's the challenge I love. I love watching all the films of the other team. I know how good they are and I know how good we're going to have to play. And when we do play our best and, you know, it gives us a chance to win. But if we have one of those days where the ball's not going in, you know, you can lose. And, um, you know, those are the challenges, you know, that go with it. But I love Ken Palm and I love, but like, doesn't tell the whole, you know, like, you know, it just, there's so much more involved. And, you know, you know I, I wish people would understand that whole thing. And, and they are kids too. They're, they're, yeah. they're 19, 20, 21 years old. They go through a lot. They have a lot of stuff going on in their life that the computer can't, help them with you know last thing we'll finish up on this one and you know the road ahead for you guys the next two and and it's there's it's a gauntlet as you said in this league there's no easy ones and you go to minnesota and obviously you guys had a tough result there last year late in the season and then it's a trip to Mackey to take on you know purdue who might be the best team in the country let me ask you about Edie because you're talking about a guy who's the national player of the year and right now he's probably going to win it again for a second straight season you've seen this guy the entire time he's been at Purdue and you know you've had some good success against that team certainly over the last couple of years you guys won there um last year of course where do you think he's made his biggest strides and improvements as a player I mean if you you had a tough one against them at the rack earlier this year but do you think he's even shown some growth from last year to this year with his overall game uh, I will tell you because I've seen him for his whole career too much I've seen him too much too much <laughs> <laughs> Well, at some point he, he would go on to the pros, but you know, like I, 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 I love the fact that when he was a freshman, he struggled. He played a little bit. He had they had Travion Williams. He yep. fought through it. He was foul prone. He was his footwork. He was, you know, like in, he fought through his freshman year. He didn't go in the portal. He didn't. He stayed the course. I watched Boo Booey the other night. I remember him his freshman year when he had struggles, and he and now he's just an you know like and so. They've stayed the course. They've gotten better. He's gotten better in every area. He catches the ball at a high level. You know, Edie, he, he's a better shooter. He's a better free throw shooter. He's a better passer. He's, he's learned double teams. He's, you know, he's seen it all. And I said, that's the respect I have for Boo Booey and the Zach. They stayed. They just kept getting better. You know, it wasn't a new place or find a new school. It was just get better. And they've gotten better and, you know, they're two of the best players in the country and, and they're going to play a long time after college. And, 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 and Edie has shown that he's in better shape now. He's, you know, and, and, and I love that part of it. I think that's the old school and fight through obstacles. And, you know, and, and he was a part-time starter as a sophomore with Travion, you know, like, and now he's become the national player of the year for two straight years. You know, unbelievable. And unfortunately, the only thing about that coach is, you know, the way the NBA game has evolved with the big man. Maybe Zach Eady would have been better off being born like 30 years ago, just with the way, you know, the low post <laughs> player is now in the NBA with the bigs. And, you know, to, if he wants to play 15 years in the NBA, he might have to learn how to step out and hit a three with a little bit more regularity, you know, because the big guys do that nowadays. Well, I will tell you, there's going to be some smart GM and someone smart. Because seven foot five isn't on every court. He's a great passer. He shoots an unbelievable percentage. He makes free throws. You know, like someone's going to find a way to utilize that kind of talent. And 
and he's going to have a really good NBA career. And I don't care if it's 20 years. He would have been the number one pick 20 years ago. And I don't right. know how 20 years later he can't play in that league. He, like, you still have a guy that you could throw the ball to that, you know, you can't double team him. And he scores at an unbelievable level. And he's a great rebounder. Like, he'll rebound at any level. And, um, you know, some GM's going to do a really good job and be really smart and you know, not look at, you know, you got enough guys shooting threes. I, I don't know why you need another guy jacking up threes, but I know the NBA is different, but I, I know good college players and he's a great college player and he could play at any level and, and he'll, he'll help a team win. Coach, always appreciate a couple of minutes. And again, congratulations on the turnaround here. Best of luck up to Minnesota there coming up tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Hopefully I'll be able to get down there to Piscataway uh, one more time before the season's over. But always appreciate a couple of minutes. That'd be great, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on. You have a great day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks is going to be live from the park at UBS Arena. That's on Saturday, February the 24th, starting at noon. That's next Saturday, a week from today. Before the Islanders matinee matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're giving away four pairs of lower bowl tickets plus one pair of premium club seats at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Just scroll down to contests and submit your entry. Join the New York Islanders for every thrilling matchup in March. Take advantage of special ticket pricing for upcoming home games at UBS Arena. And you can be there for all the exciting action on the ice. Get your tickets today at New York Islanders dot com slash march true story guys and i'm sure that you probably heard rumblings about this we were actually supposed to bring this show out to ubs arena next saturday but a funny thing happened along the way and that was the nhl decided to change the start time of that islanders game against tampa bay it was supposed to be a 12 30 game when the schedule first came out, so it would have been perfect, right? We do our show. It would have led right into puck drop, basically. But no, they moved it to a 2.30 game. So then there was really no point of us being out there for three hours in the morning talking to ourselves if nobody was going to be around because the game wasn't going to start for another few hours. And so they said, ah, it doesn't make sense. So instead, Anita's going to do her show out there. So no Long Island trip for us, but we'll still keep you company here next Saturday, as per usual, from 9 to noon. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Thanks again to Coach Peichel for calling in. Great stuff from him, as always. And, hey, you're a College Hoops fan. If you're a casual College Hoops fan, it's the time of year. It's starting to heat up, right? There's no more football. Season's over with. Selection Sunday is a month from today. St. Patty's Day. That is when Selection Sunday is, so we'll find out the field of 68. But races are getting good. Now is when you want to lock in if you're a College Hoops fan and get acclimated with these teams before it comes time to fill out your brackets next month. Let's say hi to Manny in Flushing. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Manny. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing, sir? Manny, I'm outstanding. I'm doing even better now that you called. What's going on? Thanks. Good to hear. Uh, Listen, uh, you talk a good interview with that Close from Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers in the last couple of years have been play, has been pretty has been pretty damn good as of late in the last couple of years. Um, um, listen, um, you brought up the Knicks and the NBA. Look, 
you know, it, it's amazing. Despite all the, the, the struggles and the injuries, the Knicks are still in the fourth seed. And Nick, and despite despite everything was going on, I mean, I because not because not because there are times you say yourself, man. Despite all that injuries, the Knicks are still in the fourth seed. How about that? I, I think that's how you have to look at it, Manny. At least that's how I'm looking at it. Remember, yeah. you have to take everything as a whole. All right, because all the wins that this team had, let's say, before the injuries took place, like that nine-game winning streak, like that's not something you toss off to the side as if it never took place. Like those wins count, right? You, yeah. you win games in November and December. Those still count at the end of the year when you add them all up. So it's good that you were able to pocket some of those games because now when you're going through some adversity, dealing with all the injuries, and you maybe don't have a full squad, well, you at least have those wins to fall back on. And despite everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, like you said, you're still fourth in the Eastern Conference, and you're a game back in the loss column of Milwaukee. There are a lot worse places this team could be. Yeah, I think it's like the second time in 11 years the Knicks are over, are over are 10 games over 500 around the offset break. Whoever thought that. And speaking of the Bucks, I mean, I just watched the game on Thursday. I just don't see the Bucks. I just don't see them. I just think the Bucks. I hate to say they may they may probably with the disappointment I've seen in the last few years because if you really think about it, they could have won multiple titles because we have to remember 2019, 2020, they had the best record in the league, but no finals appearances. 2022, they were up three games to two against the Celtics team who went up and going to the finals. And then last year, they had the Bees' best record, and they couldn't get it done. Now this year, they're, they're at one point, they were the second seed in the East, and they just fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, because they can't, do, they can't play defense. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Well, and think about, and Manny, thank you for the phone call as always. Think about the year they won the championship, right? Kevin Durant's shoe size is what? One size smaller? They're out. They're out. And they get picked off by the Brooklyn Nets, and they don't even win a championship that year. Look, last year they lost in the first round. They bagged the head coach. Somebody had to be the fall guy, Mike Budenholzer, a guy who won him a championship. All right, they come back this year. Adrian Griffin, let's hire a rookie coach. You know, that's the thing sometimes. You hire a rookie coach for a team that's built to win now, led by two veteran players who are easily first ballot Hall of Famers and some of the best of their generation, and you could be in a lot worse shape than they were, but they still weren't satisfied. Some of the players were griping. They didn't play any defense, and they made Adrian Griffin walk the plank. Instead, you bring in a veteran like Doc Rivers, and guess what? It hasn't taken off yet. And right now, and I know that things could change, but right now, if I told you, if I looked into a crystal ball and said, once we get to April, the Milwaukee Bucks, I've seen the future, the Bucks are going to lose in the first round of the playoffs again, would you be absolutely shocked? I don't know how you can be. Now, I don't know if I'll bet my life on it, but something's got to be fixed there. And they have a couple of months to try to figure it out in Milwaukee because that team is way too talented to be going through the motions like they've been. When we come back, we are going to check in with our good pal Don LaGreca. We're going to talk a little Stadium Series hockey for this weekend, and we're also going to get to the bottom because, again, I, I, I do not know the backstory on this whole thing, but the whole pizza box, two-liter bottle of soda thing, I, I need to know what's behind that. So we'll go straight to the source when we come back. We got Grasas coming up at 11. Grasas show on a Saturday morning till noon, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Last couple of days I've been busy, like out and about, 
running around doing a million different things. And I, I, I kind of just like caught a glimpse of on Thursday afternoon, I, I, I see on the TV that during the K show that my friend Don is sitting there ripping up a pizza box and he's putting it into an empty two liter bottle of soda. And I, for the life of me, I just don't know why this was a thing and how it came about. I mean, look, it, it kills time, right? I mean, it gives you something to do while you're at work, so I don't begrudge him for that. But instead of speculating and instead of trying to, you know, ask outside sources as to how this whole thing came about, I figure we go right to the source himself and bring in our good pal, he, of course, the great Don LaGreca. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am currently incarcerated. <laughs> what is it? What is this? A Sunday during the football season? That's <laughs> yeah, a weekend, and I just—I was in that kind of mood. So, uh, yes, I, I just got a flashback to who am I? But uh, you know, I miss to those. Hang on the football for dear life. How are you, buddy? I am doing great. I actually, looked it up. Believe it or not, it's almost been six months to the day since we last did the Saturday show. It was August the nineteenth. So almost six months since we've been back in this spot, but that's what we do during the offseason. We are here, and we're going to make the most of it over the next several months. All right, so I, I'm sure you heard, and, and I had, I've had a lot going on the last couple of days, so I don't know the backstory to this whole thing. Explain to me how this came about, why right. you decided to do it that day. Like, Tell me the story here. All right, we were um, on the air on yeah. Valentine's Day. And we opened the show and happy Valentine's Day, blah, blah, blah. And I just happened to throw out a story my mom had told me earlier in the day that my mom got in- engaged on Valentine's Day. I guess it would have been Valentine's 1965. And my father put the ring in a pizza box, went to my uh, grandma and grandpa's house and proposed to my mom with the, with the ring in a pizza box. And now, pizza, that, pizza in the box or empty pizza box? No, the pizza was in the box, and I guess he, on the side there, had the box with the ring and proposed to her. Gotcha. Okay. Really cool stuff. So it was a nice story, and I figured I'd throw that out for my mom. And then we just got to talking about my dad, and I said, you know, something my dad did that I always remember is that we'd have pizza every Friday. Mm-hmm. My father didn't believe in eating meat on any Friday. Pizza Never Friday. Lent. And so it was Pizza Friday. A lot of people do that. And my father loved pizza. And then after we would partake in the pizza and the mussels, my father always got mussels, is he would tear the large pizza box into mm-hmm. small pieces and fit them into the two-liter bottle of empty soda. And he just did that all the time. While we were talking, he would just rip the box, and the entire box would fit in the two-liter bottle. And Michael's like, there's no way you can fit an entire large pizza box into a two-liter bottle of soda. And I said, well, my dad did it every Friday. It was it was just a thing that he did. So I, I know it for a fact, and he challenged me. You know how I get when I get challenged. Right. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to be in studio tomorrow. I'll, we just had pizza the other day. I'll sift through the recycling. I'll bring the large pizza box in. We'll get a two-liter bottle of soda, and I'll prove it to you. And so throughout the show, I'm ripping it up. The only thing that I misjudged, and I, I don't know if my memory is wrong, Mm-hmm. or my dad was just better at it, or their pizza boxes were made different at the time, was how long the damn thing took. I started at the show 3 o'clock. So the whole show, you see me ripping the box and putting in a two-liter bottle of soda. So this thing, I didn't finish until 6.14. It took over <laughs> three hours to finish the thing. And I can't remember sitting there at the dinner table for three hours while my father finished this or whatever. So... And, and and we're doing it, and you start to see it's really filling up, and there's still a lot of the box left. 
And now people started, you know, calling in. People started tweeting. It became a thing. And I give Peter a lot of credit because he went on Instagram Live. And mm-hmm. during commercial breaks, he's showing the progress. And I just couldn't believe so many people were interested on in whether I'd be able to do this or not. So now we're in ENN. And you know how ENN is. It's just like it's a free-for-all. Right. So he's he's on Instagram Live during ENN. And there's like 2,500 people on his Instagram. And Twitter's blowing up. And the phones are blowing up. And, and, the, the 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 control room Dan filled up, you know people from the, the the show that was coming on your producers and board ops and Mike Brownshire was still there and Rodney and like everybody that's on the floor is now piling in just to see if I can do this and then this finally thing. at six fourteen the last shards ended up in the uh, in the liter bottle the two liter bottle and I was able to do it my thumbs were killing me my thumbs are still sore. And I had to jump in and, and do the Ranger pre, and I was at the Garden, so it ended up being a, a long, very productive day. I And I signed it. I guess we'll try to auction it off. But I was just shocked that so many people were completely engaged in this, and and I celebrated, and it's just odd. I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot in my 30 years in radio, but this might actually be the one thing my dad would be proud of. We did it, Dad! <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with the great Don LaGreca here on 987 ESPN. All right, so so many questions. Now, I think everybody knows. You and I know each other quite well. I, I This is the first I'm hearing of this story. It's the first of in terms of, like, what the, the habit that your dad had with the pizza box. Here's the first question that pops into my mind. Back in those days, was recycling not an option? Or was he one of these, like, anti-recycling people that, like, didn't believe in the movement or saving the planet? And he says, you know what? I'm not going to play by their rules. I'm going to tear a pizza box up and put it into an empty bottle of soda. There was no recycling in the late 70s, Dan. If there okay. was, we did, it didn't trickle down to Hawthorne, New Jersey, or up, depending on where it comes from. No, there was no recycling. There was no separate for plastic, and it just everything ended up in the garbage. So... I don't know. I don't know why I never talked to him about it. I don't know whether it was just, you know, idle hands or just something nervous habit or whatever, but he or, or just wanting to accomplish it, but he was able he was able to get that done. So it was just now, something some... that my brother and I just remember from our childhood, but no, there was no recycling in like 1979. Now, obviously as someone who's a, I consider myself a pizza connoisseur. I've eaten quite a number of pie in my uh, lifetime. So there's different degrees of the pizza box. Like some of them are a little bit more of the cardboard variety, a little bit tougher, stiffer. And then you have some that are almost kind of like pseudo cheap, cheap kind of cardboardy stuff that almost like those those gift boxes like during the holidays that you put presents in or whatnot. Those are a little bit easier to rip. So if you wanted to go about this undertaking, if you get one of those cheapy boxes, you would probably have an easier time doing it, well, cause less damage to your thumbs. Which one did you tackle? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, there was there was heft to it. There seemed to be more than one ply, if you would. Yeah. Uh, usually when you get a large pizza box, I didn't measure it whether it was 16 or 18 inches. You usually don't get the cheap stuff. If you get like a personal pizza or something, they'll put it in one of those like thin one-ply cardboards. This... This added some heft to it. And then the other thing is that I don't know, like, there's analytics to everything, right? So people are telling me that apparently back in the day, mm-hmm. the cardboard was a lot easier to tear and, and had like, it was kind of made of clay. And so my father had a much easier time, which would explain why it probably took me so long to do. So what my dad, the undertaking my dad did back, you know, 40 years ago was probably a lot easier than the cardboard I had to tear. So. I don't remember my dad's thumbs being sore. I don't remember it taking over three hours to do. So I think what I accomplished was uh, quite the feat. Well, I'd like to accomplish more in my life, mind you, but at least this is nice so far. 
Or you're still, you know, a young man in the grand scheme of things. So I there guess. are going to be a lot more accomplishments down <laughs> the road. I'm so. confident in saying so. that. You know, I the game so. of life. You're you're still at the very early stages but, of it. You know, uh, but I lost my. I was uh, listen. I was fortunate in in a lot of ways. I mean, I was 28 years old or 29 years old. My dad died. You know, still, you know, was young and he he passed away at 59. So a lot's happened in my life since uh, when when he passed away, which was in May of '97. So uh, anything that I can do to kind of keep his memory alive, and I know my brother got a kick out of it. My mom certainly thought it was great. So it, I think that's why people kind of gravitated to it, the backstory of that something that my dad did. And my dad hasn't been with me now for you know over 25 years and, and all that. So uh, that's what kind of made it so much fun to do. Well, I'm glad we set the record straight, or at least I got the record straight, because I yes. didn't know. Like, I, I could have thought, like, okay, they said he's ripping up a pizza box and putting it into a bottle of soda. I thought he was maybe just bored, and he was finding I'm, things uh, to pass I'm sure the time. That's, the, that's what my father was. Right. You know, talking but, to me but, and David can only go so far. Well, here's my thing now, too. I think that you've almost set a precedent, and you've kind of, like, opened up a can of worms, because, all right, you did the pizza box. You realize you can't stop there now. Because now you're going to have to come up, and you could take, like, listener feedback from this, or somebody could come up with suggestions. We have to find other things for you to rip up and to try to squeeze into either a, 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 a bottle of soda or some other apparatus that maybe is, you know, only holds a finite amount of material. I mean, we could get into the whole science of it with matter and so on and so forth. We could get Bill Nye the science guy on. But I think you have to come up with other things to be able to use this exercise moving forward. That is a very good idea. We'll throw it out on Monday on the K-Show to see what other things we can do to put into the box. I think we can actually fit more because the cardboard had give. Now, it was full. You look at it, it looks full, but I think you could probably put a little bit more in there. And also, it sounds kind of gross, but just add a little personality to it. There were there was some dried uh, cheese on, on the uh, cardboard, too, so there's some... Uh, actual dead cheese dipped in there as well so it's got a little bit of a personality for anybody here that lies, does win the auction so here lies dead cheese yeah but uh, yeah we could start doing that tweet at me at don lagreca uh we got to come up with a name uh i guess uh pizza box challenge or something that we're we get other suggestions other things that i can you know tear up and fit and it doesn't have to be two liter maybe it's uh can i fit a, an album cover in a one liter bottle you know can or, or 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 can we fit something into like a, a Poland Springs twelve ounce bottle? You there know? you go. But something with the, the the a challenge, if you will. So we'll be able to come up with that. So listen, I'm football's ki- over, and we got yeah. a ways to go before uh, first pitch. You know, hopefully uh, the Knicks and the Rangers and uh, maybe the Devils and the Islanders can sneak into the playoffs. But uh, we've got a long way to go here. So let's have some fun in February. I want to ask you something about the hockey, but you just gave me another idea. You know what would be great? Like if somebody had $7 million, probably you need a little more than that to just throw out the window. We could have done something like that with you ripping up the pizza box and trying to fit it into the bottle, and we could have spread that thing out all through the Super Bowl. Like, you know, each, you know, at, at random commercial breaks, they could just like go back to you when they're like live hits of you like ripping up the pizza box. And it could have been like just like the Gronk thing with FanDuel. Is it kind of build? Was he going to make the kick? Was he going to miss the pick, the kick? They could have done that with you. Like, can he fit the pizza box in the bottle? And they could have just kept checking back on you periodically they, through the game. See, this is really good. This is a brilliant mind. So we're going to come up with a name. And we're going to have some fun with this, and it'll all be for charity. And you, you mentioned Gronk. I did this. I missed the first year he missed the kick. Yeah. But I actually was was watching the the pregame when he tried the second kick. I, I can't imagine an athlete can't kick a twenty five yard field goal. And I, I could do it. I've done it. But he played professional football 
at a high level. Why did he look like Billy Kilmer when he was making the kick? I mean, why did they give him a helmet that looked like it was from the 50s? I mean, he's yeah. a he's a professional football player. He looked like the biggest nerd wearing that uniform and helmet. I think it's supposed to play into the whole thing, unfortunately. Unfortunately oh. for him. I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely to do it, but I think they want to make him look like a stooge a little bit. Well, it's not hard. Uh, tomorrow, I know you're going to be out of MetLife Stadium, Stadium Series, Rangers, Icelanders. Our coverage begins at 2.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're going to handle the pre- and the post-game duties, and you're going to be down ice side during the game, right? Yes, as I've been for every outdoor game the Rangers have played, which is pretty cool. And uh, the temperatures are going to be upper 30s, which is actually uh, pretty balmy compared to some of the other ones I've been at. Yeah, no doubt about it. So at least you'll be able to feel your toes and that sort of thing. And, and, and there's rumors you might have a guest or two throughout the broadcast or during intermissions, right? Like that all some dig- hockey dignitaries might yeah, be around. Yeah, well, I'll be there for all the walk-offs, and uh, this is going to be quite the event. Whenever you stage something like this in New York, I remember how big a deal it was doing those Yankee Stadium ones. You know, I can't believe it was 10 years ago. I can't believe that the Super Bowl was in New York over a decade ago. Um, so we're, we're hoping to talk to Gary Bettman. We'll talk to everybody that's uh, going to be involved in that thing. And, you know, this is not nothing. I mean, I, I know the stadium series, a lot of pomp and circumstance, but the game is really important. The Islanders need points desperately to try to make the playoffs. Uh, Patrick Waugh is trying to, you know, into, implement a new system and, and change attitudes over there. And so far, as far as the record's concerned, it hasn't really uh, bared any fruit yet. And, and the Rangers have won six in a row, but they're going to have to try to navigate things without, you know, Blake Wheeler, their top-line right winger, and get VC acclimated to that and 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 it's so and even tonight's game with the devils desperately trying to make the playoffs the flyers trying to hold on to that three seed in the metropolitan division without carter hart it sounds like definitely for the rest of the season we talked to gary bettman and doesn't sound like those four nhlers involved in the 2018 world junior uh situation are going to be available anytime soon so uh this is uh like I said, a lot of pomp and circumstance but the the points that are going to be available to these four teams this weekend are be pretty big no doubt about it. It should be a spectacle over there at MetLife Stadium over the next couple of days. Should be a fun one. Sir, thank you for hopping on. I know you're a busy guy. I know you had some snow shoveling that you had to oh, take sure. care of. So Shoveled for you to carve out the time, uh, very, very, very appreciative as always. Well, welcome back to Saturdays. Gordon did a terrific job, and I'm looking forward to listening to you on Saturday until the first preseason game. Oh, I'll be here before you know it, too. You're seven. Thank you, buddy. Can you believe it? It's um, it's great. Let's get there first, right? We got a whole off season <laughs> right, we have to navigate exactly, through. <laughs> exactly. Let's not don't rush don't it. don't count the chickens until they hatch, right? As they say. <laughs> right. Well, well, All right, there's sir. There's a lot to your statement there. That's true. That's very true. That's Don Lagreca. He is a uh, ripping up a pizza box and stuffing it into a two liter bottle of soda extraordinaire, among other things, of course. That he's very very talented at. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. And we are minutes away, like precious seconds, from a fresh episode, rendition of Grasso Us. So you want to stick around for that coming up at the top of the hour. Right now you want to stick around for Richard in Manhattan, who is next here on 98.7. Richard, good morning. How are you? Hi, Dan. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, You know, I was reading in the paper on Tuesday morning, uh, the Post, the AP came out with their top 50 college basketball teams. Top 50. Mm-hmm. Do you know there is only one school, one in the whole Northeast? You That's mean, when you say, well, well, qualify that for a second. Are you talking about top 50 programs like this year, like the top This 50? year, no, this year, yeah, the AP, oh. top 50. Oh, top the Northeast, 50, it's only- got to be... 
Got to be UConn. UConn is number one. Yeah. Okay. This is what the story is. There are two two schools from the state of Utah in the top 50, Utah State and BYU. If you combine New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., Maryland, you have zero amongst those states and the District of Columbia. Not one school from those states is in the top 50 with all the colleges and universities in those states. Not one. Rutgers wasn't in it. Seton Hall. I don't. None of them were in the top. That is, un- and two from the state of Utah. <laughs> I didn't even know they played basketball in Utah, but unbelievable that we do not play. You don't see basketball anymore in the Northeast. I mean, it may change soon, but uh, well, it's, it, it's it's changing because look, Patino has inje- even though St. John's has hit the skids here a little bit in the last month, and they got a big one coming up against Seton Hall tomorrow. That is an enormous game for both of those teams because Seton Hall. It's funny, St. John's was a team that everybody anointed in the off season with all the new players. You got Patino. Seton Hall was a team that everybody kind of left for dead and didn't give a chance to out of the Big East. And lo and behold, look at what Sheehan Holloway and the job that he's done with that team this year. Seton Hall is a tournament team right now, and St. John's to be on the outside looking in. But you know what? You still got another month to play before we get to the tournament. Anything can happen. But St. John's, if they want to have any, any chance, I mean, save for winning the Big East tournament to get the automatic bid, they got to get that one tomorrow. They have to win that game because they are sinking like an anvil right now in that conference. They're not going to finish below Georgetown DePaul. Those teams are also Rams. Forget about them. But, um, They've had a tough year of late, and they have to turn this thing around if they want any hope, but the clock is ticking. When we come back, it is Grasa Us to kick off our final hour here on a Saturday. We go till noon on 98.7 ESPN. I didn't even know they played basketball in Utah.